Hello listeners, this is Matt from Uncanny Treks, and I want to take a moment to tell you about our brand new Patreon at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. On our Patreon, we offer lots of exclusive content in multiple tiers, including access to our brand new Patreon-exclusive podcast, X-Men 92 vs. Young Justice. On this podcast, we follow the same format as B5 vs. DS9, but with an entirely new focus on reliving the nostalgia of 90s X-Men animated series and comparing it to the fast-paced action of Young Justice. Both of these animated series have recently been renewed for new seasons, so we felt it was a great time to return to these two comic book-based properties. If you're interested in subscribing, please visit us at patreon.com slash uncannytreks. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at uncannytreks. Enjoy the show, and as always... Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. We are a part of Uncanny Treks, but today we are not talking about either of the great space station shows. We're talking about Star Trek Picard, specifically Season 2, Episode 7, Monsters, and Episode 8, Mercy. I'm Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. How you doing tonight, Matt? Bob, I, I think I'm, I'm done with Picard. I, I just These last two episodes, I'm just not digging it. I've got to make it through the rest of the season, but you know. Eh. <laughs> well, we only got two left, right? Yeah, I'll survive. I just—it's just not my thing right now. I just can't like—it's missing something. I don't know what it is. It doesn't feel like Star Trek. <laughs> it's a lot of time killing. I'll give it that. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't hate it. I, I think it's fine. It's certainly—I think it's better than season one. Um, now something in the last couple episodes might turn me away from that. And it's not like, I don't think it's like amazing or anything, but I would say, I think it's way better than season one and way better than discovery. I would put it, you know, still well under lower decks or like old Trek though. I feel like it's one of those shows that, yeah, we're going to watch it, but after, you know, a month, I'm not going to remember anything about it and be able to tell you what happened. Kind of like season one of Picard. (laughs) I, I, I've been thinking a lot about that, and I think that's like why old Star Trek is good because you had to throw out like 26 episodes a year, and so some of them were bad ideas, but you forgot them because you were always on to the next thing. And then I think actually under that sort of like stress of constantly having to come up new idea with new ideas, you get better writing than if you just like take one idea and you stretch it out for 10 episodes. Which again, I, I like this season a lot more than you, but there. This did not need to be 10 episodes. This could have easily have been a movie. Yeah, a movie, a two-parter. Hell, uh, it, it could have even been a 50-minute episode, really. <laughs> yeah, this 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 whole season is just, uh, I'm just not digging it. I'm really, I'm, I'm still looking forward to but season you, three you, and seeing all the nostalgia. Prefer, do you prefer Picard season one or do you just dislike both? I'd say at this point, I'm, I'm preferring Picard season one, what I can remember of it. And I'm a big fan of Star Trek time travel. Like I love, I like time travel stuff. So this is just not my thing, though. It's not me. Eh. 
Well, that, that'll be something we might argue about in a minute, but I think this is very much in the spirit of Star Trek time travel episodes. I mean, it, it does have the misfortune of being stretched out to 10 episodes, which most Star Trek time travel plots aren't, except for the stuff on Enterprise. But, eh, you know, I, I think it's like pretty in the spirit of Star Trek time travel. Well, let's, let's dig into the plot. We'll dig into the plot of uh, Season 2, Episode 7, Monsters. Yeah, you want to walk us through that A-plot? Yeah, on the A-plot, we have Coma Picard, after being hit and run by a Data's ancestor, imagines a conversation with a First Contact Era EPH, which stands for Emergency Psychological Hologram, and a weird fairy tale flashback to his childhood leading Talin to don a weird telepathic device that looks like Romulan ears and go in after Picard. Yeah, and I just want to air a grievance with you here, because in the notes I ask, uh, what the fuck is Talin's telepathic device looking like Romulan ears for? And you're like, she's a Romulan. And I just want to be like, well, yeah, but I didn't know that at the point that I wrote the question. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I, I go over your notes way after I've watched the show, so yeah. That, yeah. I, you're just treating me like I'm dumb, and I'm not dumb, Matt. God yeah, she, she's a Romulan. That's why she has this point of years. I got it. We didn't know that at the time when she was <laughs> the device. <laughs> All right, you want to walk us through the, the a little bit shorter B-plot as well? Yeah, and in the B-plot, Musiker and Seven leave Rios and Dr. Ramirez tending to Coma Picard while they hunt for Jurati. Yeah, yeah. So have you seen the rebooted Battlestar Galactica? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you might have. Do you remember the the blonde woman who's on all the DVD covers in a red dress? Yes, yeah, I know, I know that is, yeah. Yeah, Trisha Helfer, I think, is the actress's name. And ironically, I, I didn't consider that this might be a Seven of Nine reference at the time, but she's called Six in the show, and she's a Cylon. And so she regularly appears in the head of the, an actor, James Callis, who's playing like the kind of emergency psychological hologram as well as Picard's father. And so it's kind of funny because in the Battlestar show, he regularly hallucinates six in his uh, head and then now he's a hallucination in picard's head i just thought that was kind of an amusing little inversion oh that is weird yeah i know you're talking about with trisha helfer i've uh she's like i guess one of the main characters in the show or something she's on everything yeah yeah and i think she's she was in some other stuff after too like maybe maybe she was in that long Meyer show maybe some other stuff yeah yeah good at both are both both trisha helfer and james callis who plays um the guy who hallucinates six and then plays Picard's dad are, are very good actors. I don't know if James Callis is actually supposed to be an emergency psychological hologram, but he was giving me very big emergency psychological hologram vibes. So I just decided to call him that. Yeah. I kind of like that idea. Let's just go with that. That actually adds something to the show. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there <laughs> were a lot of, it. there were a lot of great memes spawned about this where it would be you know it'd be like a picture of uh trisha helfer asking james callis why he went to star trek and he's just like seven is better than six <laughs> i liked picard's back and forth with the eph though I thought that was pretty good yeah yeah I, I thought it was pretty great and i guess this kind of gets to this weird problem we're having where neither of us really like the flashbacks to picard's childhood we think they're stupid yeah they're awful but yeah and they're very, as we've said many times before, they're very kind of Christopher Nolan derived um, or derivative. But on the other hand, like, I don't, it's fine to explore Picard's psychology. Like, the scenes of him sparring with um, the EPH are actually good. It doesn't get bad until he starts having the pointless flashbacks. 
Yeah, the the flashbacks killed it for me in this episode. I just could not take much of it. Started nodding off. <laughs> I mean, really, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm giving my best try, but it was just like, eh. it's like it's not even really flashbacks though. It's like he's telling some like fairy tale story, or I, I don't know what the hell was going on. It was, it was not a fun like Professor X journey. No, no, it was not. To to change the subject to something I enjoyed a little more, Musiker and Seven sparring back and forth has been some of the best stuff in both of these episodes. And it's kind of amusing that Musiker gets a little meta in this story, talking about how, like, her and Seven's romance is kind of like the B romance uh, as compared to Girati and Rios's A romance, which I kind of enjoyed. But is it, Bob? Is it really? Yeah, yeah, because Girati's, you know, driving the main plot with the board queen. And so by default, like, you know, the Rios trying to save her is going to be a more important thing than Seven and Musiker, just in terms of, like, centrality to the plot and then also there's maybe a kind of amusing joke about like the way uh same-sex uh romances sometimes get have to play second fiddle to straight romances i see your point bob and i agree (laughs) plot twist right there so i think one of the things that we disagree with is that you have very much like back to the future like very strict time travel rules where I'm on very loose time travel rules. Hey, let me stop you right there for just a second, Bob. All right, I didn't know realize this, but did you know that like two or three episodes of Picard where the director was uh, the person who played Marty McFly's mom on uh, Back to the Future? No, I had no idea. So she pulled like a Jonathan Frakes and went from being an actor to being a director? Yes, exactly. Emma Thompson. Yeah. She's uh she's actually she's directed two episodes I believe but yeah that that's my whole thing with time travel. Yeah, but you you want the very kind of strict time travel where like the butterfly effect is in full effect and any 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 little thing can screw anything up. Whereas I I like the looser time travel because I don't think of things as being that determinist and I also think that's usually how like Star Trek does it like Star Trek Four and the original series were all very kind of loosey-goosey with time travel, as were Voyager and DS9 in their own ways. Loosey-goosey. Yes, loosey-goosey. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like, you know, they took two humpback whales from the past to fix the future in Star Trek Four. you know. Had they done that, like, with Back to the Future time travel rules, they would have screwed everything up. Yeah, well, and also, like, I forget the name of the actress or the character, unfortunately, in Star Trek Four, but, like, Kirk's love interest from the past, like, he pretty much discloses everything to her. Rios pretty much discloses everything to Dr. Ramirez in this episode. It's fine. Yeah, I just hope it doesn't have any crazy ramifications, Bob, because if they're following my time travel rules, they're screwed. So, you enjoying a Girati with a side of Board Queen, Matt? Yeah, she's got those really dark black eyes that kind of freak me out. They're like hollow inside. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. They're also slowly making her skin paler, I think. Yeah, that seems deliberate. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So there was a Quantum Leap reference in uh, Episode 7, but I have to confess, I watched it last week and I now can't remember what the Quantum Leap reference was. I, I didn't catch it, so not even sure. But, you know. I was going to point out that it's very ironic that um, you've never really watched Star Trek Enterprise, even though it stars your boy, Scott Bakula, because you you really loved Quantum Leap as a kid, me not so much. Yeah, that's part of the problem, though, Bob. Like, when I see Archer, I'm all I think of is Sam Beckett. I don't see, like, Archer. So it, it's, it's a weird thing. Like It's almost like he was typecast in my mind as the dude from Quantum Leap. 
I never considered this until I saw it written down. Do you think the similarity of between Scott Bakula and Sam Beckett as names is intentional or coincidental? Eh, probably intentional. Huh. I would huh. guess. Okay. Oh, yeah, with the SB. Yeah, I, now, what would be cool, Bob, is if you find out that Sam Beckett leapt into John Archer. I think there are fan theories to that effect, but I don't remember enough about Quantum Leap to, to fool with them, to be honest. Then I might have to actually watch Enterprise, Bob. But it's... Well, it is kind of funny that like Enterprise is, in some sense, the most time travel interested of the of the major Star Trek shows. So that's kind of interesting that they went in that direction. Although I think it was also just creative exhaustion because what else was there to do? Yeah, they can only go so many places without messing up the, the future timeline. So Yeah, yeah. It's Treading on other people's stuff. Show. Yeah. Kind of why Disco had to jump forward after two years. All right. Um, so I, this is maybe a weird thing for me, but I don't really love this season arc focusing on both Picard and Data's ancestors, but I can deal with it, I guess. I don't love it, but I can deal with it. But then, like, bringing in the uh, ancestor of Picard's housekeeper, that just seems so random. I can't. I, I, I really don't like that. I think that Laris is the same as Talyn. It's the same person. It's a supervisor, just like Gary Mitchell. And they li- Yes. Not Gary Mitchell, Gary Seven. God, who is Gary Mitchell? Gary Mitchell is the Kirk's friend who gets the godlike powers in the second pilot. Damn it! How could I get them mixed up? Jesus Christ. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Gary Seven. Why was Gary such a common name back then, Bob? You don't hear that I mean, name a lot. It, it was the mid-20th century. <laughs> you, what, you got a white guy, you name him Gary. Gary. Wow, lots of Garys. Okay, anyway. We find out that he was on that planet learning all the stuff from the, the their, whoever they answer to, the Watchers. Wait, what? Why? What gives you the idea that the supervisors are long lived? Like, I don't remember that ever being. It, granted, it's he been said years. he said he he said he trained on that planet for like six thousand years. He does. I'm pretty sure he does. Okay. Hit Did us up on Twitter, folks. Yeah, I remember I watched it not too long ago because I needed okay. like some in, I needed some info. That makes me think that this is the same person. All right, like even if it is, that's not better. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So we went a long way for a whole lot of nothing, but I'm just telling you, that's, well, that's my it's theory. It's also just like, if she, if she is a supervisor, if she is the same, like if Laris is Talyn, um, and Laris is, a, you know, is the same supervisor as Talyn, that's still just kind of weird. It's kind of like, why are you, why are you a Romulan refugee? And why did a Romulan refugee, did you just happen to wind up being the <laughs> housekeeper for the man you're going to meet in the past or that you did already meet in the past? Like, because her eh. job is to supervise Picard's timeline. But, like, I feel like you could do that without being Picard's housekeeper. I don't feel like you have to observe him for, like, <laughs> years for no real reason. She, she had to get in close. I don't know. It, I guess this would obviate my next complaint, if your theory is right. But Picard uh, seeming to want to bone the ancestor of the woman he struck out with. A little creepy. A little creepy. Yeah. But if my theory is true, Bob, she's been there with him all along. All right. Well, to get off that depressing subject, <laughs> we can uh, cue the Christina Aguilera. Matt, what did you think of uh, Guinan uh, summoning a cue? Summoning a cue. 
<laughs> like a like a damn genie in a bottle, Bob. It was indeed like a genie in the bottle, which I I didn't make that up. I feel like the show was going there already. They, they were. They they went in that direction, and it was it was really stupid. So did not like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't particularly love the summoning, although I would say like the description of like the Q and the L Orin having a cold war, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to take it. Yeah, that's almost like some kind of magic cold war or something. We should probably see that in like Young Justice. Speaking of which, X-Men 92 versus Young Justice, exclusively for now on Patreon. Uncanny tricks. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't love the way they're doing Q this season with all the meta stuff. I, I treating him kind of like a genie, maybe not the best idea. This is skipping ahead, but he shows up as like a computer program in yep. the next episode. A computer program. Like, that makes no sense. Why would Q be a computer program? And he ain't got no powers either. That, I mean, that's whatever. That's fine. They've done that before, but like, I don't know. Q being a hacker, Q doing, and Q he's doing about his... to die. You doing himself as a computer program? It just seems it just seems fucking weird, man. Just yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of really stupid stuff in these last two episodes, Bob. I, I'm just telling you, they gotta they gotta do some crazy shit in the next in the in the last two. I mean, it's still is, better than Stacey Abrams, dog. Oh yeah, it's way better. Discovery, Bob. There's a huge. Ga- I, I'm sorry, like I, when you bring real politicians onto your show, I just can't take it. I, I can't. Oh my gosh, real, real and, 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 and I live. I live in Georgia. Well, I live in Georgia, and I have to see her on TV every day with her commercials. Then I have to see Brian Kemp every day with his commercials. And now we've got David Perdue, a third person trying to take a uh, take Kemp's nomination. Constant commercials. So interestingly, it looks like a. It looks like if they did it now, Kemp would win. Uh, like Perdue's, even with that Trump bump, isn't going to take him out. Is what it looks like now. I think. <laughs> well. I, I don't really, but that's the thing, Bob, I really don't care. That's why I don't want it in my Star Trek show. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And to be clear, we're not saying no politics in Star Trek. We're saying no, we're saying no politicians. No politicians in Star Trek. We're fine with the politics. It's the politicians. Yeah. Keep them, because I don't want to associate a certain politician with my show. Like, <laughs> it's just, oh I yeah, would, that's. I would be, I would even be fine if it's a better politician. Which is yeah. not Stacey Abrams. <laughs> well, she's got this current commercial out now, Bob, where she's like comparing herself to, not comparing herself to one of the other people running. She's comparing herself to uh, a business partner she's had that she's raised a bunch of money with. Well, yeah, because Democrats love to run as small business owners, Matt, because that always right. goes well for them. They always, the small business owners love voting for Democrats. That's why the Democrats need to appeal to them. But like one of them's like, you know, she's talkative, but she's shy. She's she and then they're like Stacey Abrams. She's more Star Trek, but this other one's more Star Wars. And every time I just want to like shoot myself in the face, Bob. Every time I hear it, that's that's rough, man. That's rough. I mean, I guess in fairness, if she is ba- basing a major part of her gubernatorial campaign over she's Star Trek and her old business partner is Star Wars, that's <laughs> that's a hell of a thing, man. I, I, I didn't know that would have that much resonance with the Georgia electorate. Exactly. Yeah, it's just it's it's very odd, Bob. You you know, you'll have to I'll just I'll have to put it on the Twitter, but then I feel like I'm advertising a political party campaign or something. <laughs> All right. So should we cut this uh, depressing coverage over and go to character of the week, Matt? 
Yeah, let's cut the character of the week, Bob. And this is for episode seven. My character of the week is Bob the EPH, which you so yeah, great gracefully EPH named. Cool. I like it. EPH is my favorite character. But and to be clear, you're only picking him as the EPH, not as uh, Picard's dad, right? That is correct. Not as Picard's dad. Not as Christopher Nolan, Bruce Wayne. Your mom was crazy. <laughs> I was the Did one you... who loved you. <laughs> Did you, uh, I guess that would be Christopher Nolan, Thomas Wayne, wouldn't it? Yeah, Thomas Wayne. Man, yeah, you're just, yeah. Men, men's names and you just not going well today. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. And I'm the one drinking a beer while we record that. Who said I haven't been drinking, Bob? <laughs> uh, no, you, you're just finishing up Star Trek Picard and pounding, pounding them out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. One other question about the EPH that I wanted to hit you with and forgot to earlier. When you first saw him, did you think he was Dr. Bashir? <laughs> that's so funny you mentioned it. I was going to say that earlier, but I was like, eh, Bob will think that's stupid. <laughs> yes, I did. I thought it was Dr. Bashir. Yeah, no, me I too, was me like, too. finally, we're getting a DS9 cameo. <laughs> Somehow Dr. Bashir has shown up. Well, I was confused because I was like, why would Dr. Bashir be doing a... Um, be doing a psyche val and then i then i looked at it more and i was like oh no no that's the guy from battlestar galactica he just looks a lot like dr bashir see matt sometimes uh, i surprise you sometimes i'm not as much of a hater as you expect yeah so uh who was your character of the week bob uh rios uh, i didn't enjoy his stuff with dr ramirez as much in episode eight but in episode seven i thought it was pretty charming i i it, it was good stuff i liked rios this episode I enjoyed the uh, callback to Star Trek Four of he's from Chile, he works in space. That charming, charming Rios. He's a very dashing gentleman. All right, should we uh, transition over to episode eight, uh, Mercy? This is the most recent episode, just came out. Yep, yep. It came out Bobby today. Adder. Just just finished watching just it. Hot, hot off, the off the presses. Yeah, right there. Bam. If Matt if Matt hasn't drunk too much and can post something, uh, then <laughs> this will be the uh, first uh, day, same day Star Trek Picard same episode. Same day. A great, a great achievement. <laughs> All right. So in the A plot of Mercy, Agent Wells interrogates Picard because he thinks Gaina and Picard are aliens come to destroy the Earth based off a childhood encounter with Vulcans while a dying Q visits an also-captive Ganyan, as well as a computer program of Q visits Kor soon. Yep, yep. And then in the B-plot, you have Musiker and Seven hunting for the queen-possessed Jurati, who is scheming something with Dr. Soong, while Musiker deals with her guilt over manipulating Elnor into staying at the Academy. Oh, man. Just just uh, listening back, I just feel the, the great writing that I endured <laughs> earlier today. I do feel like they maybe should have uh, teased uh, Musiker's guilt over Elnor, like, in a more specific way before this. Yeah, it was fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, like, out outing uh, Musiker as a master manipulator, like, it, it makes sense with, like, how we, how we see the character, especially, like, how, how she kind of treats Picard earlier. But, I don't know, it still kind of felt out of nowhere, and not, like, really. I don't know, I, I didn't know if I loved that part. Yeah. And then we also have a C-plot, Bob. Rios hosts Dr. Ramirez and Ricardo on the La Serena. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Did you recognize Jake Harns, who was playing Agent Wells? I did not, actually. Who is that? 
He's apparently quite a douche in real life, but um, he's a, <laughs> oh, okay. he also plays a douche on The Shield. He's like a kind of goofy detective on The Shield who gets hazed by the other the other cops. But he's actually a pretty good interrogator. And so, I don't know, it, it kind of felt very appropriate to have him be like this kind of kooky, nerdy cop in both, um, both The Shield and in Star Trek Picard. It was, you know, a kind of neat way for Picard to like reference another kind of big LA show. Like the shield is very much an LA show. So I appreciated that at least. He, he reminded me a lot of, uh, is it agent Smith in Avengers or agent, uh, uh agent Coulson, agent Coulson Smith from the matrix. Yeah. Yeah. I got vibes like that from him. Yeah. Reminded me of Coulson. yeah but the difference is that agent Coulson was created by Joss Whedon and is supposed to be like nerdy, cool, Whereas Jay Carnes in the Shield as Dutch is created by a jock, and he's supposed to be like a jock's idea of a nerd. And so I think it, I think the, I think him being the jock's idea of a nerd works better than him being the nerd's idea of somebody who's cool. If that distinction makes sense. Yes, it's all about perspective. I get it. Yes, there, there was. They were also going to have a uh, have a scene at the Shield finale, I think, where they outed him as a serial killer, but they didn't actually do it. But it would have been. I really wish they had. That would have been so funny. It would have been a nice payoff for seven seasons. One other thing I'd say about him, real quick, um, his encounter with the Vulcans. It, it, it's not exactly a reference to Star Trek Enterprise, but it does remind me of one of the better Star Trek Enterprise episodes called Carbon Creek that's um, about two Vulcans or maybe three Vulcans who like get stranded on earth in the 20th century and have to live there. And so it was kind of interesting that they were kind of using him as a reference point for two shows, both the shield and for Star Trek enterprise. Wait a minute. Did you just say three Vulcans? Two or three Vulcans. Yeah. Isn't that the story? Is that, that what happened in this episode with a, with agent Wells or that is that. Oh, so it's connected. That's just God. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, obviously. I'm commenting on a similarity. Gotcha. I thought you talking about the shield. Oh well. Let's uh, keep Yeah, yeah. So I also enjoyed Seven gloating at her about her ability to read people. Um you had the great line, no wonder I'm president. Did Rita, did Rita's making like the sarcastic statement about being from the future and with a human robot and a bored queen coming back to haunt Picard and Guinan? Did you find that annoying? Yes, I found it incredibly annoying. Yeah, I, I found it annoying too. I, I I can't really like pin down why, but it, it just annoyed me. Why did he have to say that about Picard? Because it changes the whole dynamic. Was it meant to be sarcastic or was it meant to be like? serious because i don't remember the actual comment itself do you think picard took it seriously or is that just patrick stewart's acting um i my sense is more it's patrick stewart's acting and i don't think that reflects what rios really feels about picard i think it's just him kind of exaggeratingly complaining in a way that he doesn't expect to be taken seriously oh i just hope picard doesn't take it seriously and that becomes like a big huggy moment at the end of the episode. I, I don't see why he would, but I mean, <laughs> you know, the show's gone in directions I've disliked before. That, so that, that's what I'm saying. I, I, get, I get this feeling that maybe Picard had his feelings hurt just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was it, it was weird. I also, I granted, I'm not going to go back and rewatch the episode, but it didn't really, like, that didn't seem at all like what he was actually saying to that ice guard 
in that in that prior episode. Like it, it was different where I'm pretty sure it was different words. And also it just didn't seem like like why would the ice guard ever report that? Like <laughs> you know, like he would clearly assume the guy is just weird, maybe mentally ill, or maybe having him on, you know? Yeah, that's true. I, I and it made no sense. It was it was just a, it was a weird statement and probably just could have been done without, honestly. They could have gotten the same outcome. Yeah, yeah, that's strange stuff, strange stuff. So I, I kind of lost the thread at the end. Who was Gerardi assimilating? There were like a bunch of mercenaries that Soong had arranged for to meet with Gerardi. Why she, would, I, she, she needs people. Why would Dr. To... Soong have mercenary connections? That was that was the part that blew my mind, Bob, because I sat there, I, like, I just watched this roughly like 10 minutes ago, and I'm like, he's got connections, and he's got these people coming in, they're like all armed and dangerous and she walks up there and you know, she assimilates one of them. So she's going to assimilate the whole group of mercenaries. Yeah. I, I got that she was assimilating them, but I just didn't get like who they were and how they came to be there. Now granted, just, I wasn't paying as much attention as maybe I should have been, but there's just an army of badasses, Bob. And now Gerardi's going to have control of an army of badass Borgs. Now they're imperfect, illy assimilated uh, special forces badasses. You got yeah, it. Yeah, because, like, isn't the whole deal with Dr. Soong that he's, like, a crank and an outcast? So, like, why would he be able to get a crack mercenary team there for Gerardi to assimilate? Yeah, these are the problems we have with Picard, Bob. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's still mostly fun. I, I have a feeling that episode 9 and 10... And because they'll be more concerned with wrapping up the plot will be less fun. Uh, but, you know, it's still it still at least has fun moments. I'll give it that. All right, Bob. So for this episode, uh, this this I'm, I'm honest with you, episode eight was like just not that great for me. I, neither was seven. I, I did, yeah. I, I, you, you, you take that back, Matt. Seven of nine is a great character. How dare you insult <laughs> seven, like that? Seven of nine is a great character. but it just... I know. Just giving you uh, so my character of the week, Bob, for this episode is actually Agent Wells. That's all I got. I mean, okay, okay. I thought about going with Agent Wells, but I remember him being too much of a nerd on the Shield to give it to him. Yeah. Um, I think I'll give it to Seven, mainly just for the line "No wonder I'm president." That kind of amused me. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be like tempted to give it to Rios, but like Rios doesn't really do anything this episode. He kisses uh, Ramirez. He doesn't really do anything this episode. He gives her, he uh, gives her, gives her kids cake, and he gets it. And Ricardo gets a tummy ache. Um, yes. And then I was tempted to give it to Musiker, but the manipulation plotline was a little weird, which is also why I didn't want to give it to Elnor. And Gerardi just didn't do enough this episode to give it to her. So well, she's yeah, playing two parts, minutes. Bob. She's playing two parts. Even still, I mean, she's mostly off screen, or she's you know having weird fight scenes with Musiker and Seven, which wasn't that riveting. Yeah, there are a lot right. more fight scenes in this newer Trek. I don't, I don't, there's just, I don't remember there being so much fighting in Star Trek. Oh, there wasn't. But I mean, in fairness, I don't feel like that's their fault. I feel like that's just what they have to do in the mm. modern media environment. Lame. We don't need all this fighting. <laughs> we want witty dialogue. Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt, Matt's, Matt's a pacifist at heart. Yeah, we want some witty dialogue. Some working through problems, coming to compromises. All right. Well, well, you know, it's been it's been a hard two episodes for Bob and Matt. Uh, you know, Bob's gotten very cranky at 
Matt, uh, Matt no-selling his uh, comparisons to Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Matt's gotten very cranky at Bob for not understanding that Gary Mitchell means Gary Seven. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a tough road, but we're all, we, the end is in sight, and probably we can get there without murdering our co-host. You don't have to assimilate me first, Bob. I mean, it would have to be a very imperfect assimilation job, Matt. But, I mean, you know, I, I'm a nerd, and I'm almost a doctor, so presumably I can get, like, 20 mercenaries over to my home for no, no real reason. That shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> All right. So this has been uh, the bonus episode on Star Trek Picard, Season 2, Episodes 7 and 8. We are Babylon 5 versus DS9, a part of Uncanny Treks, and we will see you next time. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>